The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Last weeks in this exploration of the fourth foundation of mindfulness, we've looked at we've looked at um, the hindrances, exploring the hindrances. We've looked at the f- the five aggregates. This fourth foundation of mindfulness really begins to look at processes at work in our bodies and minds, the processes of the hindrances, how those happen, how those, how those arise, how they pass away. Those are the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness, exploring the processes of how the hindrances come and go. In um, the, the aggregates, the five aggregates, we're exploring the processes of body and mind in general, how our body meets the world, how it, it feels, it perceives, it recognizes experience and then relates to it in the, uh, um, the, the, how the mind relates to it. So the five aggregates, kind of the, the, uh, the body and mind coming together, consciousness and body, and then the feeling, the perception and the mind, mind's relationship to all of that, that exploration, really the, the five aggregates in a way, the um, exploration of our internal experience, how they all relate and condition and affect each other. The next exploration in the, the, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, and there are five uh, exercises in the fourth foundation of mindfulness, the hindrances, the five aggregates, the six sense bases, which we'll explore, start, start at looking at today. And then the seven factors of awakening and the four noble truths. So these, um, these exercises look at various processes of body and mind. So the, the, uh, the sense bases, we can look at, it's kind of a counterpart in a way to the aggregates. The aggregates looks at our experience a lot through the, the uh, avenue of the mental processes at work. The mental processes of feeling, of perception, of our relationship to the world of consciousness. So with a lot of with the um, the five aggregates, the exploration is about our the world of our our in in inner exp- experience to get really familiar with that. The six sense bases it's a it's an invitation to begin to look at the um, the relationship to the world. The sense bases, the, the six sense bases are our five physical sense bases, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. And the, um, the, the base itself is talked about as the body part. So the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, and the, 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 the skin, basically, the, the, the base of the body. And then the sixth sense base is understood to be the sense base of the mind. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, 
So these physical sense bases, there's the understanding of there's the sense base itself, the, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the, um, the body. And then there's the object that that sense base relates to. The sight, the sound, the smell, the taste, the touch. So there's both the, the physical like what are what are but the 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 medium the the sensitive medium that are of our body and the uh, experiences that contact that medium so light contacting the eyes sound waves contacting the ear physical uh contacting the sense that the skin taste contacting the tongue smells contacting the nose so the uh, the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta say, I'll read this, just this first little section. One knows the eye and forms or sights. One knows the eye and forms and knows the fetter that arises in dependence on both. So this is the this is a, a, a new word. Um, I don't know that we've talked about fetter so much in this uh, in this class. Um the the word fetter is used in different ways in the in the suttas. Um, the the classic description, the classic use of the word is uh, connected to a list of ten um, ten things that bind us to uh, the reactivity that we relate to. Ten things that bind us to. Um, the ongoing process of suffering, how we stay connected to that. So the fetters that, that kind of keep us tied to the, the processes of suffering. And so those, those 10, um, um, I won't, I won't even list them right now, but that's just, that's one definition that there's 10 of those. And then there are, there's a, an understanding of a gradual wearing away of those those fetters, the more we practice, the more we understand. There's not like one big, um, the, the teachings talk about there not being like one big, um, um, aha moment insight that like, or gets rid of all those fetters. They talk about it being a gradual wearing away, a staged kind of wearing away of these things that tie us to, tie us to the, uh, process of suffering but the one one sutta again not there's not a single place or a single definition of of what a fetter is but there's one place that just simply relates fetter to craving that um process of our mind that that holds on that wants things to be a certain way that likes certain things that doesn't like certain things craving we often in english think of craving as being a wanting but it's it both includes in this buddhist understanding in the word the way the the word the way the buddha is using the word of craving uh it includes both this wanting things to be a certain way and not wanting things to be a certain way. So there's, it's, it's both sides, both the greed and the aversion. It includes both. So that's one way that fetter is understood. Another way we can understand fetter is the, um, the sense of 
identity, the sense of I or me that kind of arises connected to our sense experience. So we'll, we'll talk about these over the, the coming weeks. Um, but I, I mostly wanted to, um, kind of just start with looking at the, the sense bases themselves and then the, uh, the craving that arises based on our sense experience. This is, this itself, if we just keep it that simple, this practice is so powerful. So this is an instruction that the Buddha is offering us. The, the the exploration of the sense bases. He encouraged us to, to get to know your sense bases. So know how the, the body is con- contacted, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the taste, the touch, and recognize that these are all separate processes. This is another piece of the, the power of this particular exploration, our minds typically weave our sense bases together into one coherent experience. It doesn't necessarily recognize that, for instance, you know, the, the experience of recognizing an, uh, an orange. You know, we know an orange. Now we can recognize oranges, um, you know, from a distance, so through sight. We can see a pile of oranges in the grocery store from a distance and know they're oranges. But we partly know they're oranges based on um, like where they're located in the store and, um, um, you know, their size. And, and so, so some of it is coming through the, 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 the sense base of sight, the seeing. But as we walk closer to, to the oranges, closer to that display, we might d- discover that somebody has, has pulled a joke on us and put a whole bunch of orange bowls there. So then we recognize that they're not oranges based on some other information. I mean, some of it might be the site, but if they're really good, um, you know, balls that are kind of really mim- mimicking oranges, we might not know until we touch it. We might not know until we start squeezing it and feel, oh, that's plastic. Or we might not know it until we, um, we recognize that it doesn't have that scent of the orange oil. So our senses, typically, when we explore something and recognize an orange, for instance, we might think we're doing it all through our sense base of the eyes. But it's really a weaving, a blending of multiple experiences that come together that help us to recognize the world. And so we often don't notice that that all of these processes are working. So this is this is an encouragement of this particular sutta to begin to get familiar with how our world is received. So this this relationship to the world. So the sense bases are really the medium through which we contact with through which the world contacts us. So the, uh, the exploration of these senses, then we can, we can, um, start to just be curious about the, uh, the experiences that we're having, kind of get familiar with the eye, the, the ear, the nose, the tongue, and, and, and curiosity about what the experience, where the experience is actually happening. How we are experiencing that, I guess I should say how the experience is is coming together. 
But then the Buddha encourages us to recognize the fetter, the craving that arises connected with each of these senses. And that's really where the, um, the exploration into suffering begins to unfold. How does our suffering arise in dependence on our seeing, our smelling, our hearing, our tasting, our touching, and the mind? So the, the, the sense base of the mind, it's a little different than the, sense, the, the physical sense bases in my understanding in the way I've experienced it. The physical senses are really our, we could say, our link to the outside world. <laughs> you know, our link to the, the world around us. They're how the world meets us, contacts us. The mind, so the, the, the physical sense bases, there's the, the medium, the eye, for instance, the sensitive organ. And then there's something outside of us, the light rays, that is striking that medium, striking that sensitive object. And so there's the internal and the external. You know, there's the, there's the, the sensitive medium, the sensitive, um, body part and something outside the sensitive body part that contacts. So that's the way the five physical senses work. The eye, the sight, and then there's this contact. And then there's a knowing or recognizing. There's a recognizing of, oh, that's a sight. That's a sound. That's a smell. That's a taste. So there's, there's the consciousness that happens there. And that's where we move into the mind. So we get, we get mental experience. We start to get mental experience. And so there's that, that consciousness that has arisen. And, and then there's also feeling and perception. All of those pieces that we talked about with the aggregates, all of those functions start to happen as there's a contact with the sense base. And with the, um, with those, uh, perceptions, the, the, the consciousness and the perception and the feeling, there usually arises some kind of view or opinion or even just the perception itself. You know, I see a lamp. So there's that, that perception that happened. So there's a perception that arises. And so that is an object of mind. We, we, we often, as um, I think I've talked about in the last weeks, you know, we often, with perception in particular, you know, we, we often don't recognize this process of perception. We kind of take what we're seeing. So the lamp there that I'm seeing across the other side of the room, we take that to be the reality of what's there. Very easy for perception to make mistakes. It's really good at what it does, though. So I'm pretty confident that that's a lamp on the other side of my room. That there is that lamp there. So the, the, but, but, but the, what I experience, what I'm actually experiencing is not the lamp itself. It's the perception that's created in the mind. And so there's a, there's the, uh, the perception or the idea of lamp in my mind and what lamps do and how they work. And, you know, in this case, it's pretty neutral, a lamp. But there's also other things that, that we experience. You know, we, we might experience, um, um, uh, 
a person um, looking at us in a particular way and we see the expression on their face and we interpret it a certain way. All of that is mind created. And so those are what are called mind objects. Those ideas, those views, those thoughts, even those perceptions, those are the objects of mind, much like the sight, the sound, the smell, the taste, the touch, the physical, the physical thing that's meeting the medium of the sense organ. The, um, the objects of mind are these, the perceptions, the feelings, the, um, the mental formations, the thoughts, the ideas, the views, the opinions. Those are created by the mind. They are also then received by the mind. So the, the sense space of the mind is, it's more complex in that there is both in this field of mind, in this terrain of mental, the, the creation of the object and the medium that receives it. So the mind, and that, that can get a little confusing at times. You know, what is mind and what is the, the object? So in, um, in, um, in terms of the fetter, you know, in terms of the, the fetter that arises in terms of our uh, physical sense bases. Um, you know, if you get stung by a bee, that one's, that one's pretty simple. Let's talk about that. We'll start there. If you get stung by a bee, that is a contact with your physical sense base that is probably unpleasant. Very few people actually like being stung by bees, and some people actually have a, an allergic reaction, so it affects the body. So the, the experience of being stung by a bee is an unpleasant contact with the, the skin. So the, the uh, skin, the body, is being met by a, a physical thing. So that's the form and the, um, the body. So one knows that the, the, the tangible, I think it's called in, in the, in the, um, the suttas. One knows the body, the tangibles, and the fetter that arises in dependence on both. So we have the body, the sense base, the medium, and we have the stinger, the contact there. Typically, our reaction to that would be an aversion, a not liking. We don't like that experience. And so that is a fetter. That's a, it's, 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 you know, it's pretty direct. The pain that comes from the bee sting, it's pretty direct often that we would, we would experience a not liking of that, a wanting it to go away. Perhaps even more, an anger or a, a, a fear, you know, of, of the experience, a, a concern about it. So there can be, there can be a variety of experiences. Now the fetter is about a reactivity. So the craving, if we're just exploring craving for now, you know, the, the fetter is, is um, a reactivity, a craving of wanting it to not be the way it is. So wanting not to have been stung by the bee, not wanting not to be experiencing that pain, for example, that would be a, uh, a fetter, a craving. Now we might, ex- we might wonder how we could possibly not resist that or not react to that. But that's one, that's the amazing thing, you know, about what the Buddha is teaching. In the exploration, he discovered that the fetter 
is a separate thing from the um, the sense space or the object of the sense space. So we have the the body and the bee sting or the bee, and then we have the contact and the the reaction to that bee sting, the not liking it, is not connected to the body. It's not the body itself that is where the reaction is. It's not the bee. It's not in the bee itself, although we might think it is. We might think it's the bee's fault, but it's just the bee doing its thing. And so there is this um, this thing that's happening in the mind, the reaction, the, the not liking, the, the uh, wanting it to be another way. That is something going on in the mind. And then that becomes essentially a mind object. You know, we, we, we know, we can know the craving. So the, the, um, but, but the, an important piece to recognize is that that craving is extra. It's not actually necessary. It's possible actually to experience a bee sting without having that aversion or that resistance. Now, uh, it it wouldn't necessarily mean that you just sit there, especially if you're allergic, you know, so you wouldn't mean that you just sit there and say, oh, a bee sting. Oh, that's interesting. You might get up and say, oh, this is going to be, this is going to create a reaction. I need to put some ice on it. But that doesn't have to happen out of fear or anger or aversion. It can happen out of wisdom. And that would not be a fetter. That would simply be a... um, a wise response to the experience. And so the, the understanding of fetters, I think it's important to, to recognize because so much of our relationship to the world happens through fetters, through reactivity, through craving. And we think that the, um, you know, that the craving the, the reactivity is responsible for us taking care of ourselves. You know, we might think that we wouldn't take care of ourselves if we didn't have this aversive reaction. But actually, when that aversion goes away, we see that our, our bodies and minds take quite good care of ourselves without all that extra suffering. So this exploration of getting to know the, the body and the, or the, the, the sense base and the, sense experience, and then recognizing the fetter or the reactivity, the craving as an extra thing. So this can be a really interesting thing to explore. So the, the, the bee sting is, is pretty simple. The, the reactivity there is, you know, you know, it's, it's connected often with the, um, um, the pain that's coming. But there's extra things that happen there too. It's not just about the bee sting. It's, it's, it's often also about our ideas about the bee sting, you know, the, the, the fear that comes with that. So if we look at another example, if we think about another example, um, hearing something, you know, hearing somebody criticizes us. So this is the ear is hearing something. And there's sound waves striking the ear. Somebody speaking. So there's somebody saying something. 
and um, and then we hear it, and then we in we understand the words. That's all in the mind, the understanding of the language, and the um, understanding of what that means, also in the mind. So we have at least three sun spaces working here. We've got the seeing of the person, the expression on their face. We have the sound of the words hitting our ear, and we have our mind understanding all of this. So three sense bases are coming together there. Now we might think that it's the sense base of hearing that is that where, where we might react to. If we have a reaction to what somebody says, you know, the criticism of what somebody says to us, we might think that that's a fetter arising in dependence on the hearing. But if we actually look at the bigger picture, and this is where this exploration of looking at all the sense bases and curiosity about the sense bases, we might start to see that some of the reaction, some of that craving or aversion, the reaction to that criticism came not because of the actual words, not even because of the meaning of the words, but because of an expression on the face of the person or their body language. So something coming through sight, you know, something coming through the way it's said, how, how they are in the saying of it. And so there is that piece of it. So there's this, the hearing, and then there's the, the, the seeing. And then there's the interpretation or the understanding of the words and how we respond to that. So uh, an interesting exploration around the sense spaces, I find, um, when I'm experiencing some kind of reactivity, and this, if you, if you take away from this talk just this kind of practice, I think it would be a, a really interesting um, exploration. When you're experiencing some kind of reactivity, so some kind of fetter, as, as described by this, um, this teaching, Get curious about which sense bases are involved. How, you know, what, what's going on there? You know, how is that reactivity coming up? So I did this. I, I, I often use this example. So some of you have probably heard this example. Um, I was um, at a retreat at one point um, and doing walking meditation. It was nighttime, so many of us were walking inside. And um, we had a pretty, we had a couple of different areas to walk indoors, but I was in, I was in the smaller of the two rooms. And so I was doing walking meditation and somebody came into the room and the room was pretty full, you know, but this person kind of slotted in between me and the next person. So we all had to shift and adjust and it made it just a little more uh, close than my system seemed to feel comfortable for. So I experienced aversion. So aversion arose. So that's a fetter. That's, that's a fetter. And, um, and I got really curious about where is this aversion arising from? So what sense base is involved here? And, um, and, and, you know, it wasn't obvious to me at first, you know, it was not obvious to me, but I went through all the sense bases seeing. Well, there's the, the, the way the person looks 
And, you know, there was a little bit of reactivity to the way the person walked. You know, <laughs> there was some interpretation. They did a little bit of a funny walk. So that was there. So I noticed that, but I, I realized that's really minor. You know, that is not responsible for this level of aversion, how that person is walking. So it's like, okay, seeing, not the seeing. They weren't making noise. They weren't loud. They weren't, you know, we were in silence and they weren't chewing something or stomping on the floor. They were, so sound was not it. So the fetter wasn't based on sound. I went through the sense bases. There wasn't an odor coming from them. They were not touching me. You know, so there was no, there was no, um, none of the five sense bases seemed to be the place where the reactivity was born from. I had originally kind of attributed the reactivity to the person that that was the the way the mind worked that person made me feel averse and so it was like something out there did this to me I looked at all the sense bases it's like none of the sense bases seem to be contributing to this this um aversion so I got curious. It's like, wow, there must be something going on in the mind. You know, if these teachings are right, there's got to be something going on in the mind. And I didn't, I didn't see anything obvious at first, but I just, um, I just, you know, kept walking and watched what was happening, just kind of receiving what was going on. And at some point I saw a thought. Um, and that thought was, He's weird. The person that came up to me, he's weird. I was like, well, that's a thought. <laughs> There's a thought. I wonder if that's, you know, in there somehow. And um, a few moments later, I noticed another thought. I still didn't quite see the connection between the aversion and the thought, but I saw the thought. And a, a few moments later, I saw another thought that was, um, He's in bare feet and it's freezing cold. You know, so that was another thought. And that I could see there was a connection between the he's weird and the bare feet. You know, it's like somebody in bare feet when it's freezing cold outside must be weird. And I also saw how ludicrous of an idea that was, you know, how silly that was in the mind. And and then I began to see also, you know, so seeing that thought and seeing how that judgment of the person being weird was built on something that was so ridiculous. The, um, the mind also saw that the aversion was a, a, a touch was, was because of a little bit of fear about this person, this weird person walking right next to me. So the, the weirdness had fallen apart. You know, the idea that the person was weird fell apart because the justification was so ridiculous. And with that falling apart of the weirdness, I could see that the, 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 uh, the fear that there, there, there was no need for fear and that the fear had been responsible for the aversion. There, there was a kind of a little bit of a sense of, you know, Oh, somebody weird is walking next to me. I better be careful. And, and, and and that the fear, I think I actually saw that the fear fell away and experienced the dropping away of the fear and then understood that the aversion was related to that fear. And the aversion fell away because there was no need for the fear. So So basically this exploration allowed the mind to see how 
the craving was created through not any of the physical sense bases, but through something that was going on in the mind. And I would actually say this is largely where craving is created. We might think that our greed and aversion are connected to our physical sense experience. And with the bee sting, it's, it's, it's much more close, you know, that the actual sensation of the bee sting is, is unpleasant. In this case, I really saw, you know, that the experience of the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the, um, the, were, were neutral. The, the, the skin, they were all neutral. There wasn't any pleasant or unpleasant experience coming in through those with the slight exception of the eye, you know, the, the guy, the, the guy walking in a funny way. You know, so that was taken to be slightly unpleasant in my mind. But what was unpleasant was this idea that, that the person was weird and the fear was also unpleasant. And that was what the reaction was happening to. Seeing how that happened. I mean, again, you know, I, I had originally thought that it was the person creating the reactivity. But in this case, it was so clear that it's the mind. It's an idea in the mind and it's a relationship to that idea in the mind. The mind is, is making this up. The whole thing fell apart. The whole reactivity fell apart. And in the next moments, I was just sending metta to the person. So the, the, to me, the, the, the interesting part is the exploration to begin to see how these processes work. In, in my case, I didn't have to do the job of, of like trying to stop doing the reactivity, the seeing of it and how it was created. That did the job of allowing it to fall apart. So this kind of exploration through the sense spaces can really help us to, to see where, how much we're interpreting our um, experience as being, you know, that out there. It's the world out there that's creating problems. Whereas actually there's a lot of our interpretation, our views, our beliefs, our ideas, our thoughts that are actually where our reactivity, where that craving is created. And so the exploration of the craving in dependence on each of the sense bases begins to help us see how much of it is happening internally in our minds. And seeing that, our minds start to let it go. So that's all I want to share um, today. There's more to talk about um, for this, and we can we can look at it in the next weeks. But I want to just check in and see. We've still got some time, you know, see if there's any questions or comments about what I shared. Prerana. Yeah. Hi, Andrea. Uh, Hi. So uh, for the... The experience that you shared just now, I was wondering in this case, uh, so I tried to do the same thing. Um, but in this case, uh, you, uh, you kind of got the answer to why. I mean, you got some sort of closure uh, and you saw the idea itself to be ludicrous and it was uh, easy to uh, let everything fall apart. Um, uh, sometimes what happens, I, I see that this is happening in my mind and I, I see that it's it's 
uh, it's probably a projection uh, but like the mind gets this uh, you know like devil's advocate but what if not what if the person is really doing it and and then it's kind of you you don't know how to resolve that uh, so when you say you don't know how to resolve it what do you mean uh so uh, it feels like at some point you're forcing your mind to uh, let go of the idea instead of it being like like you it falling apart it's like you're letting you're forcing your mind to let go of it okay so instead of just being curious about what's happening there's a sense of pushing away is there a sense of pushing away right because uh, there is no closure and like mind uh, it's a, it becomes like a mind game i guess well i mean there can be there can be times i mean it definitely can happen it, that the mind sees it sees the craving it sees the 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 reactivity and it just you know it just realizes oh that's not useful and it will fall apart without really seeing all of the links that can definitely happen too there can also be a seeing of it and there being a no i don't want that and so there can be a feeling of a pushing if there's not a feeling of a pushing then you know then and if there is a feeling of a pushing there then that's the next object you know that's the next thing it's like oh don't want that that's there's that's a mind object that can be known so you know okay then then there's a, a sense of 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 some kind of perhaps tension or tightness or something that you know maybe felt in the body so we can know that and we can know the 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 resistance so that might be the next thing but there can also just be um the falling away you know there can be just the uh, you know the the mind uh, you know seeing something and then just it falling away and that that just notice that has happened you know that if there's no tension or tightness it's just like Well, that's gone. You know, I looked at it and it wow, it's not there anymore. I've definitely experienced that too. You can just notice that disappeared. You know, that craving disappeared. Um you don't actually have to see all of the steps. Sometimes sometimes seeing the steps is what like in this case seeing the thought. Like I saw the thought at first. I saw the thought and it didn't make a difference, right? I was still in the averse state. I saw the thought and and there was still the aversion going on it wasn't until there was a little more kind of curiosity of well what else is going on here and then there was the seeing of the other thought and the seeing of the fear and so all of that was kind of needed in that particular case and then the mind understood all of the how all of those things played together but there are other times where where there's been just a seeing of wow that way lies suffering and it just goes and 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 we don't see all of the little steps of how something was put together we don't have to see that it can be useful if you know if something is continuing so in my case the aversion was continuing so that in that case it's useful to like okay well it's still here let's check the let's check hearing nope not there Yep, aversion still here. Well, let's check something else. How about the mind? And so, you know, so the in in that case the aversion kept going and so there was room to keep exploring. Other times I've seen, wow, there's aversion. Wow, that's suffering and it just vanishes instantly. There's no need to like go back and try to figure out what was that aversion about and where did it come from and and how did it get created? 
You've seen it disappear. That's another kind of learning that just that the seeing of it can create that disappearance. There can be there, as I said, though, there can be a little bit of aversion or a little bit of, um, um, kind of focusing sometimes, sometimes with thoughts in particular, we can focus on a thought so thoroughly, um, that, you know, it just vanishes and, and, it, it, and that's fine. Actually, there's, there can be another, another way. Like, so for instance, that thought about he's weird. If the mind had been exploring that in terms of, oh, there's a thought, you know, look at a thought, then it might be that the, that the thought would have just vanished and the aversion would have vanished with it. But, um, um, in this case, there was still some connection with the content of the thought. Now, there was still some connection there. And so there was room in a way to observe how does that content affect the rest of the system? So there's sometimes we can, we can with, thoughts and mind objects if we if we focus very directly on them sometimes they'll they'll just vanish and we'll you know there's just nothing more to do with them they've just vanished um but there can also be a way of exploring them and this is useful in daily life because in daily life you know looking directly at a thought and watching it disappear you know sometimes that can be a little disorienting you know it's it's um uh, you know, it's like, well, what was I, what was I doing? <laughs> you know, uh, the, 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 we need our thoughts. We need to know the content of our thoughts. We need to have a relationship with the content of our thoughts. We can't always relate to our co- thoughts as, oh, there's a thought, you know, and then have it disappear. We, we sometimes have to hold the content of our thoughts. And so learning how to do that, then we can start to see as we as we learn to hold the content of our thoughts with mindfulness then we can start to see that that content can then affect how we're feeling and what what else is happening so that's a, that's a skill that takes some time to develop how do i know not just that a thought is happening but how the content of the thought is feeding back to my experience and that's essentially what what I was understanding and exploring in that case, that there was this content of he's weird. There was this content of the, the, the belief or the view or the idea, you know, bare feet, cold, that's weird. You know, that all, you know, the content of all of that came together. And so, you know, the understanding of all of that, then there was a, a point where the mind recognized, well, this is all just thoughts in the mind. The content of the thoughts is, suspect you know and so the the then the mind saw it fall apart so there was there was that exploration of the content of the thoughts in that so that's that's another another piece that that can be interesting to to start to explore is how the mind and it takes a little bit it takes a little bit more step back rather than a focus on an experience it's a little more step back oh there's the Here's that, that's the idea. And how does that idea affect me? How do these thoughts affect me? Thank you, Pramana. That, that is uh, definitely helpful. Thank you so much. And, yeah. and uh, just briefly, Melissa, sorry, we don't have a lot of time, but yeah. Yeah, I think you've kind of addressed this. Um, I'm thinking of the conditioning because I've had this experience where there's a pattern, a behavior pattern where, say, I'm talking to somebody in a customer service and I feel like they're not addressing my need 
the way I want it to be. And I can escalate quite quickly and it manifests different ways. So I'm looking at the conditioning and I had an experience where it was like a lightning bolt. I, where I was in that situation, but I was able to see what was happening clearly enough. I could go right back to literally a very deep conditioning from childhood that Indeed. was making me do this. And it was, so it was more than just the experience in the moment. It was a very deep seat. So it's almost like uprooting, you know, as the Sudhism talked, that getting to the point where you can actually uproot the fetter so that it doesn't continue man manifesting or you can see it more clearly. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, yes. And that, there's definitely that piece of the arising of the fetter that it's not just about this. Now, this is something we'll get into in the in the coming weeks. It's not just about this. There's so much history involved, interpretation involved about what's going on and conditioning there. So so that's and and that's I mean, in this case, in the case I described with the he's weird, you know, there wasn't a lot of that conditioning. So it was a pretty simple experience. But there's there's a lot of times that we carry our conditioning into the present moment. So that's, those are mental objects participating in the creation of the fetter. And, and, and I, you're right that seeing those is often very powerful, you know, that, that, and, and it, it takes, it, it can take multiple times of seeing them, you know, it often just once isn't enough for the whole thing to fall apart, but you know, it's more like, wow, that pattern is strong. <laughs> There's a lot of momentum behind that pattern, but, but having seen it, I, I saw this around self-hatred, how, how deep that pattern was connected to history and conditioning and having seen, wow, that is so connected, so tied to conditioning. The benefit there for me was that it helped, helped my mind to be able to, to not be so reactive when it arose. It's more like, oh, yeah, the, of course, you know, the conditioning of this mind and body, of course, this is happening. And so it created more space to let it be easier to notice the, the self-hatred. You know, so for you in that case, with that pattern, maybe seeing, wow, how that's deeply connected. The next time it, there's the memory, the remembering of that, and then it can be easier to hold it. So there's less reactivity about that pattern arising and more understanding that can develop. So that's a great example. Thank you.